Dan Markham, the YouTuber who entertains more than 6 million subscribers each week, sits down with me today to share his success story, how it all started with a lottery ticket and a science project, the advice he gives to people wanting to start a YouTube channel, and how they raise humble and kind kids in the making of it all. Okay, today, you guys, we have someone so exciting and really different for my podcast audience that I think you're going to absolutely love. His name's Dan Markham, and he is a friend of ours that we met sweating it out in the Dominican Republic. We went on a water trip with a company called Healing Waters, a nonprofit, and did some some work over there together. And I'm just super excited and grateful that he is taking the time to be on the podcast today. So Dan, tell us about you and what you guys are up to and what you're all about. Yeah, thank you. I love that you say that today is definitely different. I am definitely different, I guess. <laughs> but my my name is Dan Markham. Like you said, I run the YouTube channel What's Inside. And so it's with me and my now 13-year-old son, Lincoln. And so basically, we have like six and a half million subscribers on YouTube. We have like a million on our family channel. And then we have our other social media platforms. But this, this wasn't something that we had planned to be. We didn't ever plan like I'm going to be a YouTuber in my life. But now, uh-huh. now here I am 39 years old. And I know way more about YouTube than most 39 year old people should know probably. But um, than anyone really. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been a blast. And it's given us a lot of really unique, fun opportunities, and kind of changed the trajectory of of our family and our life over the last five or six years. So much so that we get to do cool things like when we went and did the Light the World campaign in Dominican Republic and were able to see the value of helping people in a third world country, basically. And so really, really been blessed and it's been such a blast. But yeah, I make YouTube videos for a living. And a lot of times we cut stuff open. That's how it started, just cutting things open and taking things apart. But now we now we do a lot of things where it's just showing our family life and, and doing fun things. That's awesome. And how many kids do you guys have? We have three kids. So Lincoln's 13 and he's our oldest. And then we have Claire that's 11 and she's, she's a sweetheart. And then London is nine years old. And so she's kind of like a fireball, little unicorns, fairies, cotton candy. Her life is like a cartoon in her head and she's fantastic. I love it. (laughs) We've got a lot of that in this house too, with all of our little girls. So that's (laughs) awesome. And we really love your YouTube channel. Dan, I don't know if you know this, but you were a big influence when Neil was trying to decide if we were going to get our Tesla. So (laughs) (laughs) we really enjoy watching your videos and it's really nice that they're clean and family friendly. And it's one of the channels that I trust to let my kids watch. And so we love your content. You guys do an awesome job. Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's talk about how you stumbled into this. You said you didn't plan on becoming a YouTuber. Now ki- there are kids now, can you believe this, that say when they want to grow up, they want to be a YouTuber? It's supposedly, it's the number three thing on the list of kids that are asked in elementary school in America, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's a YouTuber, which is kind of crazy. And yeah, so our story is kind of unique. And I think a lot of people could probably relate with it because I, I went to school, Arizona State University, wanted to be in business, wanted to be in finance, be an entrepreneur someday. But I, I ended up in sales for a pharmaceutical company. And so for 12 years, I was just doing the nine to five job and meeting with doctors and educating them on the different drugs that I had. And I did like my job. It was, it was a fun job. And, and what's interesting is we went to Caseville, Utah. We lived in a few different places, Arizona, New Mexico. And when, when we were in Kaysville, Lincoln had this science project that was basically, you just had to answer a scientific question. You could come up with anything you wanted. 
in first grade, Lincoln's question was, he just came up with, why do we have boogers? <laughs> so <laughs> of course, little first grader. And what's funny is like, I was always so shy growing up. I would never speak in public. I didn't speak in my church congregation until I was 19 years old. And it was my farewell to go live in the Philippines for two years for my mission. And I told the leader of our group, our bishop, I will not speak in church. I'm too nervous until I'm leaving on my mission. And then you'll hear me speak. And I stuck to that. Wow. I really did that. And so I would, and so while raising Lincoln, my first child, only son, I was just like, I don't want him to be as shy as I was because it really probably limited me in the things I could do. So I made him do a presentation in front of his class during first grade. And he, he had a poster board like everybody else, but we practiced it the night before. I still have the video filming him doing it. We didn't put it on YouTube or anything, but he would just, he would just sat there and talked about like for two minutes, like told a joke at the beginning and then spoke and, and he gave a talk. He basically gave that presentation, the only one in his first grade class. And so I was happy. I'm like, yes, he's confident he can do this. The next year, the science project comes around and, and he was like, why do we have earwax? I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the same thing a little bit. Why don't you change it up a little bit? So he loves, yeah. he loves sports. So we're like, let's do what's inside of sports balls and cut open some sports balls. I'm not good at cutting things open. We went to Ace Hardware and bought like a little saw and a clamp. And if you watch those videos, it's like on our countertops in our kitchen, Lincoln had the flu and we actually cut him open and he's just sitting there. But I, people are like, how did you not lose your fingers? And, <laughs> and I don't, I mean, I totally agree with them. Like I'm not good at tools. And so we cut open these things and basically my thought of even filming it was a couple of things. I had the, I just set my phone down on the, on the counter and, mm -hmm. and I just filmed it. And then that way I thought at the end of his presentation in second grade, they required everybody to give a presentation. So I'm like, how do you step it up a notch? Like you could say at the end of it, if you want to see my dad cutting these things open, you can go to my YouTube channel. So that was it. Like it just said, Lincoln Markham, youtube.com slash Lincoln Markham. He did his presentation. It was great. Like a year later, all of a sudden we made $4 in ad revenue in one day. It's like, I remember it's like December 16th, 2014, all of a sudden $4. And I was like, Lincoln, we just made money. And it was all off of these what's inside videos. There's like five of them mm -hmm. and, and not like our family ones. And we lived in New Mexico and we just throw videos up for our family. And, and people were asking us to cut more things open. And I'm like, Lincoln, if we kept doing this, you could probably get some money for your mission or for, for college, like. $4 a day, if that adds up, that'd be great over the next like five or six years. Right. And so he's like, yeah, let's cut more stuff open. So we continue to start in January. We changed the name to what's inside. We came up with that name. Just, it was kind of a weird one, but we did stuck. And so I studied everything I could about the YouTube algorithm while I was traveling for work. And, and within from, from January to April, we gained a thousand followers and it was kind of crazy. It was like, we went out to ice cream, we were celebrating. Then the next, yeah. the next week we gained another thousand and we were kind of scared. Like we have 2000 people that watch us. This is intense. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just kept going, cutting things open by August. We hit a hundred thousand subscribers and wow. Lincoln went on the local KSL news and we did a live segment with the, with the person showing all the things that he cut open that we cut open. And then by December we hit a million subscribers. So basically from a year from when we got that $4 in one day and said, let's start trying YouTube, we gained a million followers. And it was kind of at that point where I was like, all right, we're finally making enough money with the ad revenue. And then also companies were coming to us wanting us to do campaigns. And, and, um, even though I loved my job about four or five months later, I stepped away from it and just said, this is kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Let's, let's go do YouTube. Right. And so and you guys just 
got to do that together. Yeah. That's so cool. So that's kind of, there's the story. There's like the YouTube story of kind of how we've, we came to be YouTubers. And that's really the, so how do you feel when people say, oh, you were an overnight success? Do you feel like it was an overnight success or do you feel like it was actually a lot of work behind the scenes? It's definitely a lot of work and I would be, it's definitely a lot of luck and it's definitely like a lot of blessings for, for different things. So it's definitely a combination of all of that. (laughs) I think one story that, that I haven't shared much with people, but I think it's something that, you know, I've listened to your podcast and a lot of times it's like about meaningful messages and different things Mm -hmm. that, that have impacted people's life, maybe on a spiritual level or like a meaningful level. And on the outside, like everybody sees that story and they're like, wow, YouTube success. All I got to do is cut some stuff open. I'm going to go be a YouTuber. And, but like looking back on it and trying to see like, is there any type of divine intervention, like things that put this into place that maybe I wasn't paying attention to over the past. And one of the things, one of the stories that a lot of people don't know is that back when when was it? It was a long time ago. Lincoln was just a little guy. My niece, she, I, we live in St. George, Utah, and my, my niece has cerebral palsy. My, my sister was pregnant with her. She has two sons and one daughter, and she was 39 weeks pregnant. That night that she was just about to have the baby, well, it was like a week before. She said she took a picture that night and sent it to us, it's like showing her big belly. And then at two in the morning, her one of her sons came in at, to ask for a cup of water. She stands up out of bed, and she instantly, like the blood rushes out of her head and she falls down and she can't breathe. And she had a pulmonary embolism, which is something that typically within two minutes of having that, nine out of 10 women that are pregnant die from that. Wow. And so they rushed her to the hospital. She was there for probably 12 hours waiting for her blood to be at a level where she could, it could clot so they could do an emergency C-section. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it was just that few minutes of not having the oxygen, your your body, a pregnant mom's body will take the oxygen away from the baby and to protect the the mom. And -hmm. just that few minutes caused enough brain damage that like Whitney will never walk or talk. And she's just, um, yeah. So she's, she's now 13 years old in a wheelchair and can't talk. She smiles at you and she's a sweetheart. But, but anyway, when that happened, I lived in Arizona and I just caught a flight and flew up to Arizona, grabbed my brother and we flew up there together and, and, couldn't believe that they both lived. It was like super gut wrenching. And on the way home, we're driving back or we flew back to Arizona. My brother's like, I'm, I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My brother isn't. And I was asking him at the time lost was a big movie. And I was asking about mm-hmm. Hurley who had like all the lottery numbers and stuff. And, and my brother's like, yeah, I play the same lottery numbers every week for the last three years, just hoping I'll win the lottery sometime. And I'm like, huh. so I start thinking about that. I had $50 in my pocket that my mother-in-law gave me for a Thanksgiving present. And I'm like, is, it, is this who gives Thanksgiving presents? She just mailed it to us. Yeah. yeah. And so I went in and I used like my numbers. I started going through all the sets of numbers and I'm like, there's, I, I, I figured it out really quick. Like I never played the lottery before. And I'm like, there's five sets of numbers you could do it for. I think it was 10 different draws. They call it. So it'd be like twice a week. And so I like studied it out in the gas station, looking at it. I'm like, I got $50. I'm going to do five sets of numbers, have it go 10 times. So that would be the whole $50. And as I'm going through the numbers, my favorite number was eight. And on the first set, I draw them in. Second set, I draw them in. The third set, I got to the numbers. And I went, I put my, this is the only one that I hesitated on. I put the pencil on the number eight. And it, I touch eight. And I, and I think in my mind, you know what? The odds are you already did eight on the other ones. Just switch it to a different number. So I move it over to six and I bubble in six. And then I go through, don't put much thought behind the other numbers, but some. And then I take that lottery card, put it in my car. Don't even think about it for about three or four months. One day we're driving to the zoo, Lincoln and I, Leslie's home pregnant and taking a nap. And 
And at the gas station, they have this sign that has the lottery numbers on it. And I was like, oh yeah, that lottery thing. I take it in and give it to the guy and it dings at me. It's like, you're in the money, like makes this song. And I'm like, oh, does that mean I won something? And he's like, well, it means you won over $400. And I don't know how much it is, but you have to go to the lottery office to find out. And mm. so I'm like, huh, go home. Of course, I get in the car and I get on my phone and I'm looking through all the numbers. Turns out I got the Powerball number right. It was that third set of numbers, like the third set, like the one that I had thought about with the eight. I got the Powerball number right. It was like number 20. And then four of the other numbers I got right. And the, the prize that, that month was, um, the prize for that thing was $35 million if I got all of them right. I got four out of five right. The only one I missed was I did the six. And it was actually, if I would have chosen number eight, I would have won the 35 million. So it's not wow. even that I chose the wrong number with the six. It was that number eight was the exact number that would have been the 135. And that was the one I clearly felt this impression like, mm, don't do that one, switch it over. And I switched it over. Wow. So I was pumped because I'm like, man, we just won $10,000. That's amazing. And I go home after the, after the zoo and I, I wake Leslie up from her nap and I tell her we won $10,000. She's so happy. And then, and then I tell the rest of the story, like, if I would have just chosen this eight, we would have won 35 million. And then she's like sick. She's like, I can't believe that. Why didn't you choose eight? <laughs> and so, you big jerk. I know that I'm like, man, yeah, why didn't I choose eight? I can't believe that. But I did think about it. And so then what was funny is over the next two weeks, Lincoln was pretty young and he didn't speak very much, but for some reason he loved the number eight and he just kept saying eight, eight. And he just like run around the house to say eight. And he didn't know about this lottery. <laughs> but every time he went, I'd look over at Leslie and she's just like shaking her head. Like, why didn't you choose eight? <laughs> oh my gosh. And so anyway, so that was like one of these moments that you could look, I would look at it and I'm like, I can't believe this happened. Um, but taking a look now, like so I told you the story about YouTube, like we became YouTubers and we have, you know, we're, we're successful in the YouTube world or whatever. If we would have won that 35 million, I'm think, trying to think of our life. Like we, from, from that moment on, say we didn't, we didn't win it, but we ended up moving to New Mexico. I took a job promotion. We made some of the best friends that, I've, that I still have to today in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a place I never would have moved if it wasn't for this one promotion that I saw in that city. And then I got, we got a, I got um, recruited by another company to move to Utah and live in Kaysville. And if we would have had $35 million, we never would have moved to Caseville. Never. Like, I just don't think yeah. that we would have. <laughs> and then Lincoln would have never had the science project. And we never would have done like, what's inside sports balls. And that was before YouTube was like a desired career. And so the other side of the story that I that I haven't shared much either is that I would, when I traveled, I had covered eight states when I was a drug rep, and we lived in Salt Lake. Sometimes I would travel down and I'd go to Albuquerque and I'd go to, go to Arizona for work and I would see the lottery thing and I'd be like, I'm going to go and play the lottery a little bit more because like I won 10,000. I was so close. I must be good enough. I could win this thing. And I would just put like $5 toward it. It wouldn't be like the 50, but I just randomly put some money toward it. But what I found is that I would think about it like throughout the week, like what would I do? I got to this point where kind of like, you know, it wasn't like a heavy addiction where I'm gambling away our life savings, but it's definitely was an addiction to where I would think about, I would think about these numbers and I would think about like, what if I won? And so I went in and I started like reading some stuff about gambling about from like the, the church that we belong to. And, and, and one of the things I read was that 
like you can only have so much space in your mind for so much to think about and in mm -hmm. your in your day. And if I'm taking my mind and all my thought and my energy before I go to bed thinking about when I win this thing, what am I going to do with the money and how are we, how's life going to change or what are we going to do? I don't really have enough room to think about the things that I could actually sit down and work toward and have faith in other things. I was, in a way I was putting my faith into some last chance thing that it's, the odds are so bad that you would actually right. versus putting my faith in like God and saying, what can you do for me based off of my efforts that I'm putting in here? And I remember um, very specifically buying this one. It, I, I told myself a few times, like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And then like two months later, I'm in Albuquerque and it, I see the sign. I'm like, it's 500 million for the winner. I should probably just put $5 in it or whatever, $6. Mm -hmm. So I put, I put, I, I remember I got that one. I put it in my wallet and that was right around the time that we started doing, when we decided, let's try this YouTube thing. It was like right at the same time, that January 2015, when we're like, let's try YouTube. And I put it in my wallet. And I remember sitting there that week thinking, as I flew home, I'm like, why did I do that? That was so stupid. Like, why did you buy it? You told yourself you're not going to. And it's funny, I never told Leslie any of this at that time. Like, and, and I kept it in my wallet that week. They did the drawing. I didn't go on the website. I didn't read any news articles. I left that ticket in my back pocket. And at that moment, I told myself, I'm going to put my faith in things that I can actually do and put my faith in God and put in the work and see what happens. And it wasn't until um, about a year later, we were speaking on stage at CVX Live. It's this video conference in Salt Lake that I took my, that I got up on stage and we spoke in front of like thousands of people. And, and I'm sitting there and I, I had this like realization. I'm like, we just won the lottery. Like we did. We won the lottery without playing the lottery. And as I walked off the stage, I pulled out that lottery thing that was like totally messed up at that point from all the sweat and just water and stuff on it like it was mm -hmm. just this piece of paper and I just walked off the stage and threw it in the trash and just walked oh. away and I'm like never again I don't need to do that I just feel like in life I've, I've been there at least where I, you feel like, I don't know, you, it's so easy to get sucked into the easy ways in life. And yes, maybe I could have won the lottery and won all this million or won the 35 million and maybe I would have been fine in life. But I, I have a hard time. I, I, I believe I, now that I'm looking back on it, like I believe that if I would have taken that road, I wouldn't have learned the value of work. I wouldn't have thought about how much of a role God has in my life that he's helping us through this. Yes, it's a lot of work to be a YouTuber, like as we talked about a minute ago, but it's work that like I'm doing and that we're doing as a family and we're growing. And Lincoln, I saw Lincoln interview within two years of doing our YouTube video channel. He went and met Bill Gates and he interviewed Bill Gates, like one of the most influential men in the world. And we've been in the Capitol building when member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of our church, like was giving the first ever prayer that any LDS member has given on the floor of the Capitol. And then we went in the back with Senator Orrin Hatch and Elder Anderson and just sat and talked to him for like five or 10 minutes. And it was like these things that happened that, that I don't think God would have, I don't know that God would have put it in our life um, as blessings and as learning opportunities as a family, if I would have taken the easy route. And right. Yeah. So that's, that's incredible. What an amazing story. I want to ask you about Lincoln since you just brought him up and all these cool opportunities he's had, because I was very impressed 
with how humble he was, how normal he seemed. And I want to know what you guys are doing to help him stay humble and be a normal kid. It's a good question. And honestly, it's because so many kids want to be YouTubers and they tell their parents that it's probably the most common question I get from parents, not just about Lincoln being humble and that side of it, but like, how do you, how do you feel about raising a kid with, um, when the spotlight and being a YouTuber, should I let my kid be a YouTuber? And I don't know what that answer is for every person, but I'll say for Lincoln, like we're trying our best always. Like, and I feel like that's kind of like become my, as I look back this last Sunday, I was in church and saw these missionaries that had, that were one of them just came home and one was just heading out. The one that just came home was talking about how when he was on his mission and he, he didn't even know the language. And his companion was like, you can't wait until you learn the language to teach just say a paragraph, say a few things, you say something and you'll be helped in a way, just try your mm-hmm. best. And, um, I know as parents, we've been, we try our best. Like I, I remember on my mission, I tried my best as a parent, I'm trying my best, but for Lincoln, we've been very blessed that he's a kid that the fame doesn't get to him. He doesn't think it's like crazy cool. He doesn't need to go. He doesn't read the comments on YouTube. He never has. He's not somebody that he does not somebody that I give him the phone and he just watches YouTube and, and becomes like in love or like with all these other YouTubers and idolizes them. He has a few that he really respects that we've watched together. Like him and I will watch, but, but overall we've done our best to make sure that he has as much of a normal life as possible. So much so that like this summer he's, we skipped five weeks of posting on our main channel, which we've never missed even one week, but it was Mm -hmm. because um, he really was getting into golfing and he wanted to get as good as he can at golf and do these tournaments. And we, I had to look at it and say like, do we want to not let you golf or not let you practice when you want to and hang out with friends or go and say, we need to film these videos because this is the family business. Like I've seen, I've seen too many other YouTubers that have taken an extreme measure where as soon as they start to have some success, they pull their kids out of school, which homeschool is not a bad thing, but um, pulling their kids out of school and, but basically like all day they're working. There's no labor laws involved with YouTube. Like there are for acting. If you're in California and you're a, you're, you're an actor on the stranger things, you're going to have a certain number of hours to work. You're going to have requirements for school. There'll be a teacher right. there the whole time with YouTube. You have some families that just, all right, we can make millions of dollars a month. You kids, you're doing this. And there's no mm-hmm. real, I worry that once kids turn 25 years old, they're going to look back and say, well, what did you do to me as, as a parent? Like, why did you do this to my childhood? You robbed my childhood by making me do these videos so you could make millions of dollars. And that's probably the thing that keeps me up at night. Like, how do I manage keeping, like, keeping the business going, like having fun making YouTube videos, but also letting Lincoln go figure out who he's going to sit with at lunch and like be a normal kid and fail in life with kids and also have his successes and just feel like he has a childhood. And I definitely err on the side of letting him be a kid and not letting it mess him up because I don't know what he's going to say. Even though he says yes right now, he wants to film stuff. Maybe maybe it's just because maybe he wants to please his dad or something. So um, I try as much as possible to have, make sure that he's grounded. And, and luckily, luckily, he's so far turned out to be a great kid. Well, I think you guys are doing a lot of things right. I was just very impressed when we were with you and with Lincoln in the Dominican Republic. Just something, this is just so little and silly, but we were in a hot, sweaty room and everyone was just sweating to death. And he came over with this handheld fan that he had and put it in my face and just sat there in front of me (laughs) and just cooled me off. And I was like, wow, this is a thoughtful, really nice, really good kid. 
who's thinking about someone other than himself, that's rare for, you know, a tween or teenager. I don't know exactly how old he was when we were there, 11 or 12 or something. Mm -hmm. So I think you guys are doing great. I think you're doing an awesome job. Thank you. I want to ask you um, what you're most proud of with what you guys have built. What do you feel like you you're really proud of the way you've built what's inside or your family channel. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I think the, the a couple of things first, like you said about Lincoln, like that story, Leslie's going to love hearing about the fan. It's going to melt her heart, but knowing that so far our kids are pretty normal, even with all of this, but from a bigger scale, I love that. I love having parents come to me and say, thank you for making content that is not mindless garbage on YouTube where mm-hmm. we're, where we can feel comfortable putting our kids in front of what's inside and we know they're going to have fun, but they're also going to learn something and it's clean. And so it is nice. Um, we'll get letters from some, from people. Like I remember getting one about a year ago from a guy that I don't know why this one impacted me as much, but, um, but this one letter from this guy, he says, I'm a freshman at Wisconsin university of Wisconsin and I've been watching your videos for a few years, and I don't know what it is about your videos, but I grew up in a home with a single mom, and she was never around, and I never had a father, and I just always believed that like a, like a father loving his son, just that doesn't exist in the world. Like That's just not something that can happen in like a normal family. It's just something you see in the movies. And it's not that you say anything in your videos, but by watching your videos, I just see the way that you and Lincoln act with each other, and it gives me hope and it makes me think I'm going to have a normal family someday and I'm going to love my son. And so like stuff like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're just, some people like look at it, we're just cutting things open and destroying stuff, but we're making an impact in ways that, that we don't even know about that, that just showing an example of spending time together with your son and doing things. And that side of it is really meaningful. Just wondering like, what would our legacy be? after this life. I'm like Grant Thompson, another YouTuber, good friend, King of Random. He passed away a couple of weeks ago and it's like his videos, he's not making any more videos, but he has all these videos for his kids to go watch because his youngest is probably two years old that will never remember his dad. But when he gets older, he's going to be able to go back and watch these videos of his dad. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm so grateful that at least when it's, whether it's my grandchildren or whoever's watching these videos, hopefully there's something in there that they see that is a good example in their life that helps them in a way to be a better person. That's really cool. I think too, going back to the letter that you referenced, whatever's going on behind the scenes in your home with your, with your relationship and the roots that you've created there, people can feel that when they're watching those interactions and when they're, you know, they, I feel like with YouTube, I watch somebody and I feel like, oh my gosh, it feels like they're my friend, you know? (laughs) And so, I mean, I know you in real life, but I've watched other YouTubers that when I see them, it's kind of like this moment of like, oh yeah, they're my friend. And then you realize, oh wait, I don't actually know them. You just (laughs) think you know them by watching all those interactions and seeing so many things that they're filming. But I feel like you can't fake or fabricate that real love that you're talking about. And so whatever you guys are doing at home, behind the scenes is really setting the foundation for that solid relationship. And that's really cool that people can see that and feel that and have that as an example to work to. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll say, you know, people always, I said the positive, I'll say part of the negative about like for Lincoln's standpoint to that same point, but the friend side of it, um, we moved to a new city this last year. Lincoln's in a new school and that's 
part of the reason too why we backed off a little bit on the videos. He's never said I don't want to be in videos, but um, it's a transition when you start at a new school and all the kids at the old school that we lived at, they all knew him before hit YouTube. And so it's just yeah. totally normal. Now, like he started, was he in eighth grade? He just went into eighth grade. So it's like a new school. A third of the kids came from the school that he, he was in this year. But a lot of them are new. And every day he's got five or six people that feel like they're his best friend. Like they feel like they know him so well. And right. for him, I can tell he's a, he's a little guarded now with people because mm. it's like everybody knows who I am and they've watched all my videos, but do they truly want to be my friend because of right. me or is it just a YouTube thing? And so he's kind of like managing, like, how do I, he's always so nice to, to the people. Like he's so nice, but sometimes he's very slow at like letting people in his life. Like, let me give you my phone number. Let's go hang out. Even though every one of them's like, let's hang out. And so trying to help him, luckily in church, he's been able to meet a lot of kids and do a lot of activities. And, and he's made a few friends through golf that have been awesome friends. But that's definitely a tricky thing where it's like, everybody knows who he is and he doesn't know who a lot of these people are. And yeah. to try to be nice, but also not let them like take advantage of that. So that's, that's been a tricky thing to manage too. Yeah. I would imagine that would be a little tough. So as a parent, what, how are you guiding him in that? What are you saying to him? How are you trying to teach him? It's tricky. Um, we're, of course, we're sticking with friends that he meets like with church and with golfing and, and some of the people that he feels comfortable with, but limiting his cell phone access. We read a great book by the people that we are with in Dominican Republic, Viral Parenting by Mindy McKnight. Yeah, and that's an awesome book. It's really good. And she talks about like having a contract, like a cell phone or a device contract with your kids. So we sat down with all of our kids and we went through a contract of um, any contacts in your phone have to have their first and last name. We can take your phone and review your text at any time. And we put screen time limits on their phone. And it's kind of like this contract that they sign that if they break that, then we are allowed to like take away the phone or, or have a discussion with them. And it, it's created an environment where we're a lot more open with things mm -hmm. about things. Like um, he gave his phone number to some people this last week that he met um, that go to a different school. And these people went and gave his phone number to a bunch of people. And he started getting texts this week, mm -hmm. like from all these people, like, hey, I got your number from so-and-so. You shouldn't have given him the number and like all this stuff. And so, That's um, disappointing. so I'm like, okay, let's have the discussion here. Remember about giving your phone number out to people. And but it's hard. He's just trying to be a nice kid and trying to be helpful right. and meet new people. But anyway, it's, it's given us an opportunity to like learn and grow and be a part of the discussion. And I think sometimes kids feel trapped where they they don't feel comfortable talking to their parents and mm -hmm. i we've tried to foster a relationship to where our kids will actually talk to us and want to want to tell us when they have a hard time and that's that's kind of what we've been going with with lincoln and i'm grateful that he's willing to talk to us when things aren't going right or if they're going well rather than just yeah. suppressing that and and feeling like maybe you're getting cyber bullied or something yeah the open communication really is so key Imagine that you're speaking to one of those kids who's like, I want to be a YouTuber, or I mean, not even just a kid who wants to be a YouTuber, anyone, maybe somebody who's listening to this, who's just starting out in their career path, or they're married to someone who's looking into that and they're, they've got, I've got a lot of moms of one kid or they're, you know, they're just in that like beginning phase of life. What do you wish you would have known before all of this happened to you? Ooh, good question. 
So the one piece of advice that I've given to people before that I feel like um, I kind of learned as it went on because it took a while for it to grow in a way is uh, right now, I don't want to say becoming a successful YouTuber is like winning the lottery, but the odds Mm -hmm. aren't the greatest. They're not that great. And so you can do it. Like you can definitely do it, but you can have, even though you're not going and filling out lottery numbers and like turning in a ticket, you can have the same addictive attitude about YouTube. If you went and you said, I'm quitting my job. I'm going all in on this. I am just doing Mm -hmm. YouTube when you have, you haven't had any success at all. I mean, I didn't quit my job until we were over a million subscribers and we were, my income exceeded my day job. And so, but there, I have seen some families that see the success. They see the, wow, you just cut things open and all of a sudden you're successful. Or this person over here just started making these videos of their kids and all of a sudden they're making millions. I'm going to go do that. And so if I had some advice for people, like if you're starting fresh, knowing that you want to become a YouTuber, it's don't quit your day job. Like keep doing what those things that you need to do in life, treat this as like a side project. But we would film like four videos on a Saturday. It only take four or five hours. And then I would edit those and I found and like find a schedule that find a a posting schedule that works with your life because the algorithm loves it when you're consistent. Doesn't matter if it's like every day, twice a week, once a week or once a month, find a schedule Mm -hmm. that for us, it was once a week. I felt like I could do that. And so I would, we would film four, four videos on a Saturday. And then when I travel for my day job at night times, and when I'm sitting in the hotel, I would edit a video. And then every Saturday we'd put a video up. And, and so if you're somebody that doesn't have that much spare time, but you want to be a YouTuber, don't be afraid to film like 10, 15, 20 videos that you haven't put any of them on the internet. And then finally, once you feel like you have a good, big, big enough library that you can start with a consistent schedule and not feel this pressure to step away from your actual job or time that you need to spend with your family or church obligations. They like say one week you need to take a break, but that's okay. You have a library of videos you can post. I would say treat it that way. Like, and that way you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket and like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm going to make all this success. And if it happens and you're able to hit the YouTube lottery type thing and you, you, you're able to be successful, that's fantastic. And how great that you didn't sacrifice those things. But if it does fail, you don't feel like as much of a complete failure. Um, one, one thing like psychologically I think is affects people is they post their first video and they go and they share it on Facebook and to all of their closest friends and family, like look at this video that I made. And then they get all these views. Like you say you have 600 friends, even if half of those mm-hmm. watch it and they give it a like, you have 300 likes and you're, all your comments are going to be really, really positive. Like, cause they love you. And but they're also going to be a little skeptical. Like, I don't know if this video is going to happen and or that they're going to have success. And then if it does start to like six months later, you're still not seeing success. The people that are closest to you in your life are going to start questioning you. Like, why are you doing this? And you're more mm-hmm. likely to just step away. I feel like I didn't tell anybody in our family for months. So, and, and my coworkers didn't know until we had 700,000 subscribers. I didn't share it on personal Facebook or anything until we had like a news article of Lincoln at a hundred thousand subscribers. And I shared that news. I, we did the news thing and I shared that with my, on my personal Facebook, but the world right. is a big enough focus group to tell you positive or negative things. And you can't be afraid to listen to some of the negative and think about changing your content based off of it. And then by the time you actually make it and you tell your family, it's kind of like naming a baby. Like, I don't know if you've had this before, but it's, Oh yes. Yeah. You give them five options like months before the baby and they're like, shoot every single one of them down. 
Everyone has an opinion. Yeah, but then if you name your baby and you're like, this is the name, even if it's an awful name, they're going to be like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because we are we totally are strict about that. We learned our lesson with our first baby. And so for Lila, our second, and Millie, our third, it took Neil and me so long to agree on a name that but by the time we did, we were like, I swore him to secrecy. I was like, you better not tell anyone. <laughs> and then when, you know, when the baby's born, then we did that same thing. But, okay, that transitions me into another question I want to ask you. How do you deal with the negative comments? Because it seems like YouTube is just like a breeding ground for for people feeling like they can leave negative comments. Yeah, no, there's a lot of negative. It, and... I'd like to say, and every YouTuber will tell you that it's like, oh, I just don't even pay attention to it. I don't even look at it, but you see them. And sometimes you, it affects you and you're like, oh man, did I really do that? I let most of it just bounce off. But if there's some that are like constructive and actually give me a good, even if they say it in a really bad way, but the audio's bad, the lighting's bad, or or why do you do this with your son? Like certain things, I'll listen to it and try to like learn something from them. But then the other ones that are just flat out just haters or they have other reasons in their life that that maybe they just their insecurities are making them say something rude to us just block it out and try to listen to what the good is which there's a lot of other good good comments that are there we've on the back end of youtube you can put in i think on instagram we do this too you can have like a list of keywords that you put in and if anybody types that word in the comment won't disappear from the page it's just the only person that will see it was the person that left the comment and, right. it, and it was really hard to start typing that list of like really bad words. And <laughs> but then over the years, like whenever I see a new trend of comments that I'm like, oh, like Lincoln, when he was growing up, maybe three or four years ago, his teeth were so crooked. And mm -hmm. we went to the orthodontist and they're like, yeah, his, his mouth needs to grow. His face needs to grow in first before you can do any type of orthodontic treatment. You can't just like mm -hmm. drop teeth in. There's no room for it. And so it's not like we weren't paying attention that his teeth were crooked, but I had to go and put braces and crooked teeth like as keywords because people would start typing it and then they just like jump on the bandwagon and start typing things and like Lincoln, wow. Lincoln never knew I would never tell him that that's a thing so that's a big part is like not letting your kids see the comments yeah but there's definitely more good than there is bad and it's just like being in the real world that not everybody's gonna like you and you're gonna hear mean things from people it's just definitely like magnified on the YouTube side of it and so, totally. yeah, so I don't, I don't let it affect me as much. That's really good. Can you tell me as far as I'm almost done, I promise. No. So I've got two more questions yeah. for you. So second to last question is when you say there's definitely more good than bad, can you give me an example of something really good that's come out of this that you feel like is a blessing? Well, I mean, selfishly, like I said, like, I feel like my original goal was to make Lincoln not as shy as what I was as a kid. And mm -hmm. at 13, I can confidently say that we've, I've given him some good life skills and like right. that goal has been there. And, and then just spreading good in the world. I don't know when this podcast is going to go up, but this Saturday we have a video going up. That's like one of my favorite videos we've ever filmed. And it's one of my friend, Zach, his name is channels, Jerry rig, everything. And he's this guy that you see him. He looks like people say he looks like a hitman, like Agent 47. This is movie, mm -hmm. I guess, of a guy that's called Agent 47. He looks just like him. He works out every day. He's 30 years old, not hasn't never been married. And he finally, he's been wanting to get married for years. And he finally found this girl. Do you know Zach? Do you know no. him? Okay, perfect. Cool. So Zach 
his channel, we met when he had like 200,000 subscribers. And today, this, that was like two or three years ago. And now he has um, like 4.1 million. And he's in the tech space. He's one of the top. And he really wow. has wanted to, he's had a hard time dating girls and because he's been successful on YouTube and sometimes it's hard for them to look past it. He met this girl, Cambry, that when she was 19 years old, she fell off a horse and was paralyzed. So she's in a wheelchair wow. and she's 31 years old. He's 30 and they, they, they hit it off over the last year and they get married in two weeks. So and next on the 31st of August, they're married. And, and so I'm sitting there thinking like, what can we do for a guy that, that has everything in life in a way, like when you're like pots and pans, he can go buy his own, like all this financial mm -hmm. things he can just buy. Right. So I grabbed my daughter last week and we got on a plane and we flew 35 hours to Kenya and to, didn't tell Zach. And we paid um, this charity to build 60 desks, um, wooden desks. And they, for this school that was about to open that, that donors had paid for the school, but they didn't pay, give enough money for the desks. And so the kids were just sitting on the floor, on the dirt floors before, and like three kids can sit at a desk. And we got, we put Zach and Cambry's name with a heart on it all next to it. And so we made this video of us just like getting these desks delivered and made to these people and seeing the impact that it's made on the world. And we're going to publish that video as a surprise wedding present on Saturday. Just like, here's your wedding present. We helped somebody else out in the world. And, wow. and I know with the, with the megaphone that we have with being YouTube, we put a donation link in there that will probably get hopefully like 20000 or $30,000. And that one video will turn into a full-on school that will be built for these kids in Kenya. And so, you know, it's like, there's that whole thing about somebody that if you have talents, you know, in the scriptures, it's like, don't bury your talents. Don't just keep mm -hmm. them all for yourself. And, and as, as much as I may think that I'm not good at certain things, I, I do feel like I have a talent at making videos and, and sharing those in a, way, in, in a way that impact people in a positive way. And so I'm taking these talents. Yes, it's a present for Zach, but it's like helping the world in a positive way and hopefully encouraging others, whether they donate to this or not, to like find ways to help other people and just show love to others. Because there's, there's enough YouTube videos about gave somebody $40,000 or gave them a Ferrari, gave them a Lamborghini. There's enough stuff about that that... I feel like there, there also needs to be some like doing good in the world to encourage people to actually go out and help people. And so I'm, I would never have been able to do this if we weren't on YouTube and we had this, this audience and this platform would be able to just go and spend, go to Kenya for one day and, and do a positive thing in the world. But because of this, we've been able to do it. So, so yeah, selfishly it's helped our family and it's helped us realize what our like be blessed immensely and come closer together as a family. But then also like outside of that, I feel like we've done some good in the world. That's so awesome. And we'll definitely link to that in our show notes when this will go up after Saturday. So we'll have that video linked. That's really cool. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> so my last question for you that I ask everyone is if there's one message that people walk away from this podcast episode, remembering what do you want that message to be? only because I felt a really, really strong impression this last Sunday at church about looking back on my life. I'm only 39, but it is a time to be reflective of where you've come in life. Like when, I, when you first have a baby, you, all of a sudden you have a kid and you're just like, mm -hmm. how do I be a parent? You could read books or whatever, but you just have to do it. You just have to try your right. best. When I was a missionary and I didn't know how to speak Filipino and I was in the, in the Philippines and Tagalog and I had to teach in front of this guy and my companion says, just read it from the book, do your best you can. And then when it comes to YouTube, like they're not the best videos all the time, but we do our best. And I would say 
my key message would be, um, if there's one thing in life, no matter how hard things seem or how many times you've personally failed and maybe not lived up to whatever things because of a potential like addiction, whether it's like you're addicted to gambling or whatever it might be, rather than just give up and say, I'm not good enough, just try your best. And I feel like that is really what matters most. If my kids, if they fail at something, but they're trying their best, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them for trying new things. Try, try new food, try this or that. And that's the only thing, the only reason why we've had any success in life is because when I didn't know how to do something or it seemed hard, I just tried my best. Maybe it's not good enough. Maybe it is. And I feel like that's what God wants for us in our life is just try your best. If you fall down, get back up. Don't compare yourself to other people and how successful they are. Run your own race and just keep trying your best and you know, make a mistake, repent for it. And let's, let's get back up and try your best. And so anyway, that's, that's it. Just try your best. And sometimes people put try and I, I, trying is like a negative word, like, oh, I'm just trying. And yeah, you could use it in a negative way. Like my best is down here, but really like <laughs> try doing your best. And like, God will, as long as your heart is in the right place and you're humble and you have faith, like you're the right, right things will happen. He'll fill in the rest of it that you definitely can't fill in yourself because you know he has control over everything in this life. I love it. That's so awesome. Dan, thanks so much for doing this today and sharing this these great stories with us and all of your wisdom and where can people find you if they want to be watching your family channel and your YouTube channel, watch you and Lincoln cut stuff open. Yeah, just what's inside. Um, it's pretty most most platforms it's what's inside and yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's a pleasure to talk. Sorry if I talk too much. I'm pretty good at talking no, too much. No, you but. <laughs> did not talk too much. You did an awesome job and we're really grateful. So we'll put all of these links in the show notes. And yeah, I can't wait to see this video that you just talked about. I know it's going to be awesome. So. <laughs> Great. Thank you for having Thanks me on. Thanks again, Dan. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.